Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We will continue to serve as the point of the spear in this battle over liberty, the Republic Constitution, and the office of the presidency, in defense of the president of the United States. Much of what I've said the last 48 hours, you've heard others repeat it. And I've decided that is a good thing, a very good thing. In fact, many of the things I post on social media, not as many today as I did yesterday, are also regurgitated, and that's a good thing. But I want to try this a different way. I have spent part of the day going back to Aristotle and his writings on politics. And Montesquieu, who is cited several times in the Federalist Papers. And John Locke, the most important philosopher during the period of the Revolution. I've read letters between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. I went back and paged through Madison's notes, as well as other notes taken by other delegates at the Constitutional Convention. I've read some of Associate Justice Joseph Story's writings about the Constitution. I don't always agree with them, but nonetheless, they're edifying. And then before coming on the air today, I finally took a look at uh, Democracy in America, both volumes by de Tocqueville, to try and wrap my head about around what's going on, which clearly is tyranny, but it's more, but it's more. Sometimes you have to step away from the media, ladies and gentlemen. You have to step away from the static, from the moment, and think for yourselves, which is what I've done and spent a great deal of my day today looking for answers. And I think I have them. This is a pseudo impeachment. It's not a real impeachment. It's not a legitimate impeachment. And this is a quasi-trial. I don't mean from a criminal or civil law perspective, but I mean in terms of past trials before the United States Senate. The manner in which this president was impeached has never occurred against another individual in this country, president or judge, ever. A trial, so-called, 
based on a pseudo-impeachment of this sort? Were the people responsible for the pseudo-impeachment? Is a quasi-trial. A trial for what exactly? This is a process that's being undertaken with respect to President Trump that is utterly unfamiliar to our constitutional system. Utterly unfamiliar to the framers of the Constitution. Western civilization has never seen anything like this before. A pseudo impeachment. An impeachment, they claim, under our Constitution, while they reject the exact language in the Constitution for impeachment, treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. A quasi-trial, because you cannot have a legitimate trial based on a pseudo-impeachment. Hour after hour, the cabal that was involved in unmooring the impeachment process from the impeachment language in the Constitution, the cabal that violated their own House rules, the cabal that rejected the tradition of due process afforded every other individual facing impeachment, is now controlling the floor of the Senate They controlled it most of yesterday, and they're controlling it today and tonight. The same cabal. Our Constitution no longer fits the purposes and agenda of the statists, the leftists, the progressives. They attack it all the time. They want to change it all the time. Same applies to impeachment. Same applies to the Senate trial. The system is losing its legitimacy because it's not moored to the Constitution. Never before have there been an impeachment like this. Never before. The progressive argument over a hundred years has been, as I have phrased it, to use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. And so they call it a living Constitution. Now, why do they do that? So the meaning is pliable, it's adaptable to their purposes and their agenda. And they have poisoned virtually every aspect of the Constitution. Some years ago, I said we live in a post-constitutional period for the most part. You're seeing it play out now as it applies to the impeachment clause and the trial clause. If as a matter of first principles, you reject the Constitution as written, you reject the intent of the framers, you reject the principles of the founding, you attack the founders themselves, then you cannot uphold their product, the Constitution. If you are a true progressive, and what we're seeing is radical status progressives, then you cannot embrace the Constitution as is. You cannot. You believe, 
and argue that the actual document sets a basis from which to project and institute your ideology. Not to be revered and respected and protected and enshrined. No. It's just the starting point for you. And impeachment is viewed exactly the same way. It's just another provision of the Constitution that needs to be adapted and molded and adopted to accommodate your ideology. Because for these people, as it goes, the Constitution is defective. And so they will fill in the gaps. Same with tradition. Whether in the culture or whether in complying faithfully with the Constitution. So you have house rules. Well, the house rules didn't work. So you don't apply them. You fill in the gap. You have the Speaker of the House who declares that there's going to be an impeachment inquiry. That's never been done before. The House actually has to vote for it. Doesn't matter. She declared it. It was a necessity, a national emergency. Constitution be damned. Tradition be damned. And you know the rest. One area after another. Whether the minority party can call witnesses, no. Whether the target of the impeachment, the president, can have his counsel present at all levels of this investigation, no. Whether the president's counsel can call witnesses, no. Whether evidence can be challenged or new evidence introduced at the inquiry stage, no. Only if the majority party, and a majority by 31 votes, says so. All that. Isn't what happened with Peter Rodino, Newark, when he ran the House Judiciary Committee in the Nixon case? Well, it doesn't matter. This is more urgent. Well, that's not what happened when Henry Hyde was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and the Republicans ran the House with a Democrat president. doesn't matter. All that was was about sex, you see. This is different. This is different. We have pseudo-impeachment and a quasi-trial. Because the ends justify the means. If we're not going to respect the Electoral College, if we're not going to respect separation of powers, if we're not going to respect federal law like immigration laws, then why would we respect the impeachment clause of the Constitution? Why would we do that? You see, our ideology is superior. Our ideology is superior. The Constitution exists as a starting point. Not as an obstacle. And we must besmirch, degrade, smear, character assassin this president if we have any chance of defeating him in 2020 and advancing our all-important agenda. He stands in the way. So for the radical progressive, the ends justify the means. This is a pseudo-impeachment. The president did not commit treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. So we'll make it up. 
abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. We'll make up the facts. We'll withhold witnesses. Witnesses we have will have no first-hand information. We'll go through this kangaroo court, and we'll railroad it through, and then we'll get to the Senate. We'll do the same thing in the Senate. Consistency is irrelevant. Just because we didn't want witnesses in the House doesn't mean we can't have witnesses in the Senate for the same purpose. To transcend the Senate and the trial clause in the Constitution. To advance our ideology. Constitution is merely a paper written by old slave owners. We use it if we must, but we use it to destroy it. And if having witnesses serves our purpose, we'll have witnesses. If not having witnesses serves our purpose, we won't have witnesses. If amending through the back door the impeachment clause of the Constitution, changing it, then we'll change it. The hell do we care? What they said at the Constitutional Convention, all these white privilege, white supremacist slave owners. And then we'll cherry pick them. Maybe we'll quote Hamilton one day. Maybe we'll quote Benjamin Franklin one day. Maybe we'll even quote James Madison. Doesn't matter. We know what our cause is. We know what our purpose is. So what you are watching is the fundamental transformation of America on another front, a very dire front. The eradication of the impeachment clause and the trial clause in the Constitution and effectively, through practice, the unwritten amendment of those clauses. Tradition is irrelevant unless we agree with it. The Constitution is irrelevant unless we can use it. Elections are fraudulent unless we win them. I'll be right back. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I know this is way beyond the capacity of most politicians and media types to understand, but you do. The smartest audience of audiences. So what are you left with? You're left with a law that is free of norms. Morality free. 
what is called legal positivism, if you will. If you've read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, I address that at some length. I'm not going to do it here. But legal positivism, that is, the law is interpreted, not as written, it's interpreted as applied, as is considered beneficial to the greater good. So what happened? Law is politicized, loses its meaning. Rules are fungible, they're flexible, and only in one direction. To advance the cause of the state and status progressives who promote it. This is what you're seeing. And how you get there doesn't much matter. So you have Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff has been lying repeatedly. He's a serial pathological liar, and he's demonstrated throughout this three-year period, whether it's Russia, the Mueller report, most recently, Parnas. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's heroic. He's celebrated. Because of what he's doing. Not how he's doing it. Nancy Pelosi is heroic and celebrated in Washington, D.C., among the Democrats and the media. She is the closest thing to a fascistic speaker that we've ever had. She's very proud of herself that the president was impeached. She can barely contain herself when she's talking to comedians. She says he will forever be impeached, but she's very prayerful. See, there's no morality there. Utter contempt for the process. They're somber, they say. Not somber in the least. They're giddy. Now, as I posted on my social site early this morning, you're not hearing prosecutors in the House present the facts and evidence of what they voted on in the House. You're hearing conclusions. You're hearing opinions. You're hearing conspiracy theories. Others have repeated this, but I wrote it this morning because I started to think about it. What are we hearing here? Who is the killer witness that fingers the president? There isn't one. There aren't any. Where's the document? That document that closes the deal. There isn't one. Just a lot of talk, a lot of names, a lot of papers, and a lot of allegations. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God, 
because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I understand what I'm discussing is a little different. I understand uh, Wikipedia attacks me and Media Matters and various elements out there. They want you to think all we do is throw around red meat here. They can call it red meat. They can call it kefilte fish. Doesn't matter to me. But they'll never, never engage me when I discuss these things. They're either not equipped to, or they want to pretend this this discussion is meritless. So they ignore it. Plus, there's another problem. Most of the people in the media today, whether they are hosts, whether they are reporters whether they are guests or commentators, have no comprehension of American history of our Constitution. None. For them, it's just another football game with ratings and hits and graphics and statistics. But not here. Here we defend our country. Now, a Constitution or an impeachment is meaningless if the Constitution and the impeachment language is not adhered to. It has no purpose. And that bit will become evident over time, increasingly so. Laws and rules are a standard. If there's no standard, then you have arbitrariness. And then you have what? You have tyranny. The founders talked about equal justice under the law. What they meant by that is a just society, a just civil society attempts to apply its laws justly and that the laws they enforce are just. And there is a word that undergirds all of this. Adams talked about it. Franklin talked about it. They all talked about it. And the word is virtue. If politicians don't have virtue, if senators and congressmen don't have virtue, if the people who elect them don't have virtue, there's nothing we can do to maintain a free, vigorous, moral society. Doesn't matter what we write, because it won't be complied with. Let me put this in black and white terms for you. How come when they impeached this president, they didn't impeach him for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors? If it's such an open and shut case, if he's such a danger to the country, why didn't they impeach him based on what the Constitution compels? Why do they have to make stuff up? 
the abuse of power. Now, when you read Madison's notes, and I went back and looked at them today, just to be sure, maladministration was rejected. That's abuse of power. Maladministration is abuse of power. In other words, it's nebulous. It's ambiguous. It's fungible. So a political faction that takes over the House of Representatives in one election cycle, rather than calling it maladministration, calls it abuse of power. The framers specifically rejected this. Specifically rejected this. The idea also that a small temporary majority in the House of Representatives can destroy separation of powers in judicial review by impeaching a president of the United States who dares to challenge a subpoena of a witness or documents by going through the legitimate process of the third branch of government, the judiciary, to have a referee decide this issue of separation of powers is an attack on the Constitution. They give many reasons. Well, we didn't have time. Well, they had plenty of time when they sat on the articles. We didn't have time. Let me ask you a question in your own life when you go to court. Is it a defense to say, hey, look, I took matters into my own hands because the court's too damn slow. I don't have time. Is that a legitimate argument? And then they undermine their own argument when they sit on the articles and try and blackmail and threaten the Senate. This has never happened before. In fact, most of this has never happened before. And I hope the president's lawyers, when they get a turn, finally, eventually, whether it's Saturday or they move it to Monday, point out that what has happened here has never happened in American history, has never happened to any American citizen, whether he be a president or a judge, who's been confronted with impeachment. Never. Never. So this is what's going on here. This is a quasi-impeachment. It's not an impeachment under our Constitution. And this is why I argued that Mitch McConnell should hold the whole thing null and void. But he was under enormous pressure from his caucus. Well, then dismiss it. Why, you ask? Why do that? Because before your eyes, in your lifetime, Over the course of the last several months, your country has been changed. The impeachment clause of the Constitution has now made the House of Representatives far stronger than the office of the President, at least in the hands of the Democrats, not the Republicans, because they'll never do to the Democrats what the Democrats do to the Republicans. So now all they have to do is take the House. And they know they have the best chance of taking the House more than the Senate and the Presidents. Remember the long period before Newt Gingrich where they controlled the House almost half a century uninterrupted. This is where they see their strength. Why? Because big states like California, New York, and Illinois and the rest of them through redistricting control the process and ensure the election of Democrats. Even the Voting Rights Act, which is intended to protect minorities, which is a great thing, an important thing. 
also protects Democrats and the Democrat Party, and they use it to their full advantage. Just like the new voting laws are intended to do the same thing. So now, if this holds, and unfortunately I think the process has been damaged, perhaps beyond repair, unless the Republicans do what I say the next time there's a Democrat president. A small majority winning one election cycle will have the power to cripple a president and to blackmail a Senate. With one Speaker of the House elected from one congressional district controlling the committee chairman, changing the rules to accommodate her agenda and her policy. And then making determinations on when, in fact, those articles will be sent to the Senate until they can poison that body as well. This is all occurring in front of your eyes. And honestly, I'm the only one who sees it. Nobody else on TV or radio or any other broadcast platforms. I see this. Because this is what I do. This is what I study. This is what I have lived for 50 years. I know who these people are. Some say they do, they don't. They know who they are superficially. I know what they think. I know who they are. I know who their teachers are, their mentors are, their philosophers are. And they have devoured the Democrat Party where there's no more resistance. They have devoured the media where there's no more resistance. They've devoured the culture. They're devouring religions. They're devouring state governments. Radical status progressivism, the bastard child of Marxism, is a cancer to a free society. It is a cancer to a republic. It is a cancer to a constitution. And that's what's happening. You don't like a president. Well, you vote him out of office. You don't issue hundreds of subpoenas over the course of three years. You don't unleash criminal investigations. You don't go after his personal finances. You don't go after his children. You don't go after his former business associates. You don't go after his, pri- his former private staff. You don't go after his presidential staff. You don't try to destroy the office of the presidency, executive privilege, separation of powers, and everything in between in order to ruin him because you don't like the decision the American people made. They don't like the outcome, so now they want to destroy the Electoral College, and they're well on the way of doing that. They don't like the people in this country. They don't like the way they think. They don't like the way they vote. They're not reliable enough to vote for, you know, an Obama and so forth. So they want to change the citizenry, and that's what they're doing with open borders, with free education, with free health care, with driver's licenses, voting in local elections. The distinction between citizen and non-citizen, as you can see, is becoming more and more blurred. Why? Because it helps the radical status progressives. It doesn't help the country. Is that what's in the Constitution? No, of course not. 
The bigger context is important to understand what's going on. Are you going to sit there in front of the TV and just watch this go on and on and on with people repeating themselves, talking about what they used to do in state court and federal court, or going on and on about witnesses and non-witnesses? What you are seeing is more fundamental than that. You're seeing the consequences of an attack on a constitution that's been going on for a century, and now it's reached its pinnacle. It's overtaken the House of Representatives, it's overtaking the Senate, even if they should vote for the president. They've taken over the system. They've taken over the process. And to my great sadness, there sits the Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts. He used to work in the Reagan administration. He used to be quite the bomb thrower, by the way. Being praised for admonishing both sides to behave themselves. Because John Roberts misses the entire picture, too. He's a mannequin in this process. He gives this process legitimacy. I'm not saying you should be banging the gavel all over the place. But just look around, Mr. Chief Justice. You wouldn't tolerate this. And the American people shouldn't either. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more... Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So basically, what's happening now is we live under an unwritten impeachment clause or a rewritten impeachment clause. And you're seeing it play out in the United States. And what is really astonishing to me, 100 senators sitting there under penalty of imprisonment are unable to say a word. The left, it's not that they're so smart. It's that they're conniving. They know how to use our system to destroy our system. And that's exactly what they're doing. They knew when they brought this to the Senate, the senators couldn't object. The senators had to sit quietly. They abused yesterday the rules debate, Schumer in collusion with Schiff and the House Democrat managers. 
come up with these amendments that they know will be defeated in order to try and defeat members of the Republican Party in the Senate in the upcoming election cycle. So the whole process is diabolical. It is ideological through and through, and it is political through and through. What it's not is constitutional through and through. What you're seeing are the symbols of constitutionalism. There's nothing somber about this. This is a disgrace. And so it is, ladies and gentlemen, that the Constitution is damaged yet again. Mr. Producer, do we have a caller who you would like me to take? Sirius Satellite, Mark, in Oklahoma. How are you, sir? Hey, I can't believe it. I'm talking through math. I'm going to be real brief and make my point that you mentioned a word today that I've been waiting to hear for months since this debacle began, and that word is opinion. This is impeachment by opinion. The uh, concept of uh, high crimes and misdemeanors has been usurped by the Democrats and converted into impeachment by opinion, and it's a phrase that I want to hear uh, President Trump's defense team use. I think I could ramble on, but I'd like you to uh, use that word and that phrase, uh, impeachment by opinion, until it gets on the national map. Well, my friend, I, will, I appreciate your uh, compliment. I say a lot of things. I can't just keep going back and repeating impeachment by opinion. But it's by opinion. It's by conclusion. It's by innuendo. It's by smear, as I posted earlier this morning. And we'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Lindsey Graham today, a very short press conference, but very impressive. Cut 19, go. So here's what I saw yesterday. I saw an effort to ask the Senate to ignore every privilege that President Clinton was able to exercise, Nixon was able to exercise, and to suggest to the Senate that An independent judiciary really is a non-player. If I were the president, I wouldn't cooperate with these guys at all. I'm the same guy that said, you can't fire Mueller. I encouraged him to work with Mueller. Mueller is a man of the law. Schiff, Nadler, and Pelosi impeached this president in 48 days. I wouldn't give them the time of day. They're on a crusade to destroy this man. And they don't care what they destroy in the process of trying to destroy Donald Trump. I do care. Exactly right. 
Cut 20, go. So to my Democratic colleagues, you can say what you want about me, but I'm covering up nothing. I'm exposing your hatred of this president to the point that you would destroy the institution. Nobody would be saying this about a Democratic president if a Republican House had done this. You wouldn't even ask me that question. All of you would be in our face saying that there's a Democratic president and you're denying that person, he or she, a chance to go to court and litigate these matters because you hate them so much. It shows you how complicit people have become when it comes to Trump. Not one question about the idea that a Democratic-controlled House in 48 days impeached the President of the United States with a process where you couldn't have a lawyer, couldn't call a witness. And they hold it against him because he wants to object to turning over documents to them. You would be all over us. Beautifully put. And then the next step, which we discussed in the first hour. This is a brutalization of the Constitution and the impeachment cause, which for the Democrats is actually even more important, and the destruction of this president. And I grow fonder and fonder of this president with every passing day, don't you, Mr. Producer? As I'm sure many of you do. I walk down the street in my neighborhood, and I come across buddies who voted for Ted Cruz, as I did. And we like Ted, don't get me wrong. And But we say to each other, to a person, boy, do we love this guy. He's not only more solid than we thought he was. He is the only one who can withstand this. He stands between us and them. He stands between us and Bernie Sanders. Us and Elizabeth Warren. Us and Pete Buttigieg. Us and Joe Biden. He's the one. And he's the strongest candidate we could ever have to stand up to them. Now, as you know, part and parcel of this process, uh, what I will call, ready for this? I'll coin a word. The deconstitutionalization of the nation. Can you say that, Mr. Producer? The deconstitutionalization of America are, of course, the Democrat Party media. The kind of discussions we have here, you will never see on MSNBC or CNBC or, or uh, CNN. You'll see them on Fox because I have my Sunday show, right, Mr. Producer? as well as others. But you won't see it. On those other stations, you won't see it. On network TV, you won't read it in the New York Times or the Washington Post. It won't happen. Because they lie about American history. As they lied about the Holocaust. As they lied about Stalin. Which to me, is unforgivable. Period. The news media do not repeat the news. They are not, tonight as I speak, reporting the news. They bring on guests 
who provide comments. They show them clips. They bounce their comments off the clips. They interview each other. They bring in so-called legal experts and other experts who are not experts at all, really, who give their opinions. Maybe they'll bring on somebody from Watergate days or Iran days or what have you. Former congressman, former whatever it is. It's not news. And it's 24-7. And it's day in and day out. It's not news. Has there been a single piece of new information presented in the United States Senate today? If there is, we haven't heard about it. The same gripes, the same whining, the same propaganda, the same pseudo-events over and over and over again to try and convince you of their position. Not trial-worthy. Not newsworthy. You know what the real news is today? On the floor of the Senate, Mr. Producer? There was no news. There was nothing. Nothing. Nothing you hadn't heard before. Allegations that had been made before. Lies. Contrivances. But there's no news. None. How can there be? These so-called house managers are repeating themselves. They're repeating what they said in the house. And they're repeating what they said two hours before. Now they may do it with graphs. They may move a few ideas around. There's been absolutely no news in the United States Senate today. And a hundred senators are sitting there with half of them wondering when the hell they're going to get out of there, and the other half, the Democrats, excited about all this. Because you know what this is for the Democrats? Free media time for their campaign effort. Because as great as the president's lawyers may be when they get a shot at this, they're on defense. They're on defense. They're defending the president. They're defending the Constitution. They're defending the rule of law. But for the Democrats, this is free media, 24-7, for their propaganda. That's what it is. And the news outlets that continue to give them voice, bring them on as guests after they speak, bring on other senators as guests when they speak, They're propaganda arms for this. This isn't news. What's the news? What is the news today? There is no news today. Which is why you have to bring on guests who disagree with each other. Or regurgitate the points of the Democrats. Or you have to show clips so the guests can respond to the clips. I'm just saying. Some people may like it, but let's not pretend it's news, because it's not news. It's somber. This is a a Senate trial. What is the news? I mean, 
all this coverage. There isn't any. There's none. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Jeffrey Tubin, as you know, is one of the legal analysts, a reprobate over at CNN. Everybody knows he's a liberal. Everybody knows he's a Democrat. Everybody knows about his personal life. What a sleazeball he is. But there he is at CNN. What a better place to be than CNN. And CNN, a news operation, they say. What legal analysis does Jeffrey Tubin have to add today. Wolf Blitzer asks him. Cut 15, go. What did you think of the presentation by the lead house manager, Adam Schiff? I thought it was dazzling. I thought the way he wove through uh, both the facts of the case and the historical context was really remarkable. It was the second best uh, courtroom address, since it's like a courtroom, uh, that I ever heard after uh, a prosecutor named Jonathan Benedict in the Michael Skakel case in, in Connecticut was the best I ever heard, and it's still the best. But that was when you consider the volume of information he covered using the video, as I think Jake mentioned earlier, um, the, the, you know, the witness testimony, uh, the documents, uh, it's, it's very persuasive stuff. What's persuasive? He's a demagogue. That's what he is. He's a propagandist. We all know it. We've all seen it. The man is a serial liar. This is all lost on Jeffrey Tubin because he doesn't care. He's persuaded by this magnificent orator, Adam Schiff. How he weaved the testimony and the documents and the video utterly persuasive. First of all, he didn't. What they did during these 30 days is they had people help pull all this stuff together for them. But that's okay. That's all right. But it was compelling. Remember, this is a news network. Jake Tapper. Cut 16, go. In order to defend the president's conduct, a lot of these individuals, since they are not willing to say, look, what the president did was wrong, I just don't think it's impeachable. I just don't think he should rise to the level. They're not willing to say that for whatever reason. They have to create this alternate reality. Uh, it's this confetti. alternate reality confetti where President Trump you. is truly concerned about corruption, even though this is the only instance that we know of where he has ever 
asked about corruption, even though in the transcript of the call, the rough transcript, the word corruption does not come up. You have to create this alternate reality, and that's one of the things we see from these. So let's stop right here. You know, I interviewed Senator Ron Johnson, who actually is a fact witness, if anybody's interested, who was in a meeting with the President of the United States and Mulvaney and the Secretary of Energy. And one of the things the President of the United States said to Senator Johnson when the President was concerned about releasing monies to Ukraine, and this is back in May, before the phone call, was that the government there was corrupt. Nobody made this up. Nobody made this up. He says it's the only case. Ukraine is known as a thoroughly corrupt country. They just elected a reformer who happens to back the president's comments and recollection about what took place, and they reject him. That is the media. The president was concerned about corruption. That's what he said, among other things. Jake Tapper says he never said that. Jake Tapper wasn't even in there. So why does he say such a thing? Because Jake Tapper is a liberal who worked for Congresswoman Mezvinsky for one term. She was defeated. And then worked for Handgun Control Inc. or vice versa. And it's very difficult to shed this ideology. It's true to form today. And then George Conway, the husband of Kellyanne Conway, was on CNN half the day, wasn't he, Mr. Producer? No, nobody would care what George Conway has to say other than the fact that he is married to Kellyanne Conway and they use him to humiliate his wife. Now, what kind of man allows that? A very little man. He's shameful. And shameless. And he wanted a job. This is a fact. In the Trump administration. Wanted a big job. I think it was solicitor or something of that sort. He didn't get it. Now he's a never Trumper. Raising funds. Running ads against. The weak link. Republicans in Colorado and Maine. I understand in other places. To try and pressure them to vote. To remove the president of the United States. He's an embarrassment. He's also a moron. And I posted on my social sites today. You really ought to read it, folks, because all these other radio and TV hosts do. I'm just and, and senators who who try to contact me too, congressmen. I said he's the Martha Mitchell of the Trump presidency. Now, if you're older, you remember this. If not, just a thumbnail on this. Martha Mitchell was the wife of John Mitchell, the Attorney General under Nixon. First one. Eventually he got caught up in Watergate. But Martha Mitchell was not well. And so the media exploited her. She would say things about her husband, about Nixon, about the Nixon administration. Without any knowledge whatsoever. But they were quite provocative. And they would report them. They would call her late at night. They would call, she would call them from time to time and make statements. They exploited her. Then after Nixon and Mitchell and the rest left, 
they threw her away. She was irrelevant. It's one of the things Nixon said in his retirement years, among many things. That she was not well, and the way they treated her and used her was really quite appalling. Now, I don't know if, no, if George Conway is well or not. I assume he's perfectly fine in terms of health, mental health. But he reminds me of Martha Mitchell. He's saying things and wants to become famous, if not infamous, in embarrassing his wife. Now, those of you who are men, real men, husbands, and love your wives, would you repeatedly go on social media and now on television to say things that you know will crush her, humiliate her, embarrass her? No, you wouldn't. And why would Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer in CNN put this reprobate on television where he does exactly that? And Mr. Conway, if you hated Trump so much, why did you seek a job in his administration? There's many things I would like to say about you, but I'll bite your tongue because I respect your wife more than you do. I'll be right back. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. I wish to underscore another point. We're starting to hear it in the echo chamber, but I need to state it again so it moves from the echo chamber right there in front of everybody to hear and see. And it's this. On what basis did the Democrats, and only the Democrats, no Republicans, vote to impeach the President of the United States? On what basis? Presumably, testimony, right, Mr. Producer? Presumably, Evidence, documents, texts, emails. And so overwhelming was the case that every Democrat but one voted to trigger the process to remove the President of the United States, even the so-called Trump District Democrats. Every one of them but one. And no Republicans. That's how overwhelming the case was, presumably. That's how overwhelming the evidence was. The testimony was. Schiff gave a dazzling speech, according to Jeffrey Tubin on the floor of the Senate. He's been dazzling them for two days now. Treason? No. Bribery? Was Paul tested, but no. And other high crimes and misdemeanors? No. But the case is overwhelming. Which witness, who was called by the House Intelligence Committee? Which witness made the case for treason? None. Which witness made the case for bribery? None. Now a Latin phrase. Which witness made the case for quid pro quo? None of them. And they were all specifically asked. Not one. 
Not one. Which witness? Called by the Democrats who controlled the House, controlled the process, controlled the committees, changed the rules to cut out the Republicans, to cut out the president. Which witness? Which one? Which one had firsthand knowledge that the President of the United States pressured the President of Ukraine to announce an investigation of Biden? Not one. That shift dazzled them. Dazzled them. Case was overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. These House managers are corrupt prosecutors. You've seen corrupt prosecutors before. Most of them are earnest and studious and work very hard to do the right thing. But there are corrupt prosecutors. There are corrupt people in every walk of life. You know, like the media. They're corrupt prosecutors. They didn't want all the evidence. They didn't want all the witnesses. They didn't want to hear all the arguments from the Republicans. Republicans in the House Judiciary Committee didn't get their hearing day. As Congressman Doug Collins pointed out, the rules compel. They got nothing. Nothing. But the case was so overwhelming that every single Democrat but one voted to impeach the United States, uh, the President of the United States, with the hope of having him removed from office before the election. Where's the evidence? And you can see this in the remarks in the Senate. The case is overwhelming, they say. Hour after hour of charts and graphics and opinion and arguments, scenarios and conspiracy and filling gaps and all the rest. But we need more evidence. We need more witnesses. Why? You see, ladies and gentlemen... It is the job of these House managers to take the case that was voted on in the House and make that case in the Senate. The House voted for impeachment without the testimony of John Bolton. Without the testimony of any of the witnesses demanded now by the man who ran the impeachment inquiry in the House Intelligence Committee. The same man who now demands these witnesses. But the House of Representatives, the Democrats, did not vote based on testimony by John Bolton. They didn't vote based on testimony by Mulvaney. They didn't vote based on this document or that document or or the claimed cover-up by the CIA and the NSA and everybody else who's out to get the Democrats. The case that these corrupt prosecutors are expected to make is the case that was made to the House of Representatives for which every Democrat but one voted. That's the case they're to bring to the United States Senate. We haven't impeached many presidents. That's the case that they're supposed to be trying. The facts that they relied on. The facts that they rely on. But they don't want to. Or do they? 
Remember what I said in the first hour? Whatever works. Whatever works. I also said the other day, which is now being repeated as well, the chief prosecutor, the chief house manager, is corrupt. He's not only a serial pathological liar, but he's fundamentally corrupt. You have the chief prosecutor who conspired with a CIA operative who had worked originally on the Obama National Security Council, was held over, as is in many administrations that come in, during the early parts of the Trump administration. He was there at the delegation of Brennan, a sworn enemy of the president. He was close to Joe Biden, a sworn enemy of the president, a likely political opponent of the president. And he met with a staffer of Adam Schiff on the House Intelligence Committee, also formerly of the Obama National Security Council and a holdover for a period of time in the Trump National Security Council, who moved to Schiff's staff. And another such person from the National Security Council moved to Schiff's staff, so that's three. Mr. Producer, you'll remind me of the gentleman's name. Eric something or other. Charamella. Eric Charamella. Let me write it down so I don't forget, because we definitely want to use it. And I've told Mr. Charamella and his lawyer over and over again on the air, if you're not it, come on the air, tell me that, and I will apologize to you publicly. Eric Charamella. He meets with Schiff staffer, any former colleague of his, on the National Security staff, who just happens to work for Schiff. And I am convinced that is where they hatched their coup plot against the President of the United States. These things don't just happen. And Adam Schiff lied about it when first asked generically about it on national television. He didn't have a problem lying at all. Not in the least. Which is something the left does a lot. Remember Clapper did the same thing under oath when he was asked questions about the NSA surveillance project, he lied. Didn't matter. Didn't pay a price for it. And so we're told we can't even mention Eric Charmella's name. We're told he's protected under the Whistleblower Act, which just happened to be changed either within days or within a year of him using the complaint process, because he had no first-hand knowledge. Who was actually gathering information on the President of the United States from others at the White House in order to try and bring him down. And he works with, turns out, Schumer's staff. We even have Republicans in the Senate saying, we must protect this man, we must not get his identification, we believe in the whistleblower act. This is how stupid these people are. It has nothing to do with the Whistleblower Act. The Whistleblower Act was used to give this man cover, not the other way around. And I said to you earlier this week, as I said to you last week, if we get to the bottom of this, 
then this whole thing will be exposed for what it is. And people are repeating it, and that's okay. If we get to the bottom of this cabal that was led by the chief house manager slash corrupt prosecutor of this entire matter in the Senate, it would explode in their faces. But apparently these Senate Republicans don't have a stomach for this. And the news media are covering up what's taking place. They'd rather have George Conway. They'd rather praise Schiff. They certainly don't want to get to the bottom of what he did. No Republican chairman will get away with what Schiff gets away with. And you can say this over and over again about Republicans versus Democrats with the media in America today. You just have an easy walk if you're a liberal Democrat. If you're a conservative Republican, you better mind your business. Well, they'll try and destroy you. But Adam Schiff has abused power. And I looked at the expulsion rules in Congress. Did I tell you this, Mr. Producer? I looked at the expulsion rules. Nobody dares talk about expelling Adam Schiff from the House of Representatives. Can you imagine what the media and the Democrats would say? Even though he is a pathological serial liar, even though he conspired with a CIA operative and his staff to overthrow a president, even though he has fixed videos and introduced them as evidence, has withheld information, obstructed witnesses during the course of their impeachment inquiry, no problem. What did I say the first hour? Whatever it takes. And then wrap yourself in the rule of law, justice, and the Constitution. And self-righteousness. That you are the one who's wrong. That your cause is wrong. That all you're trying to do is enforce the rule of law and the Constitution. And your targets, your victims, they're not allowed to be above the rule of law. And what is the rule of law exactly when you reject the Constitution? It's the rule of Schiff. It's the rule of Pelosi. It's their rule of law. Computer systems in cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all this advanced tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks. That's why I have CarShield on our 2010 Camaro. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers. So you can drive with confidence knowing you got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. Number one. Whether you have 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles on your vehicle, it's inevitable something is going to break. So get covered by CarShield today. Call 800-CAR-6000, 800-CAR-6000. Mention code Levin and you'll save 10%. Or go online. Visit carshield.com, carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll also save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or 800-CAR-6000, code LEVIN. A deductible may apply, and we'll be right back. Mark LEVIN.
at the top of the next hour. I don't believe in witnesses, but if they're going to witnesses, I'm going to make the case why Joe and Hunter Biden must be witnesses. Obviously, Schiff must be a witness. But I'm going to make the case why they are material. Why Joe and Hunter Biden are material witnesses. I think you're going to be surprised. Near rock bottom mortgage rates are behind a surge in refinance activity. Have you taken advantage of them yet? If not, I really think you should. I remember the day when interest rates were 11 and a half, 12, 12 and a half percent. So why not take 10 minutes today and make the call to American Finance? You can learn about lower rates as well as the many other refi benefits available to you. Like consolidating high interest debt, dropping mortgage insurance, accessing cash, or shortening your term. Whatever you need, they're here to help. They don't pressure you. Because it's their goal to help you achieve your goals. It really is. I've known them for a while now, and I respect the way they do business. Really stand-up people. They get to know you when they customize a loan that can add hundreds, maybe even $1,000, back into your monthly budget. And without starting your term over. There are no upfront fees to pay, and it really only takes 10 minutes to get started. That's it. I would suggest you call them now. They're even open nights and weekends because they believe in you and customer service. Here's the number, 888-900-1828. That's their number, 888-900-1828, 888-900-1828, or online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, let me give you a taste of this, and then I'll elaborate after the top of the hour. As these statements and arguments go on and on and on, Adam Schiff and the other corrupt prosecutors from the House are making a lot of statements. They're trying to make the case to remove the President of the United States. And they've made, among other arguments, the argument that here we had Ukraine Schiff said, at war with Russia. At war with Russia. Russia killed many Ukrainians. And what did Donald Trump do? He withheld needed military equipment. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, he did not. His first year he gave it to them. His second year he gave it to them. Even this third year he gave it to them. Still in the pipeline. Still in the pipeline. And they got it. But they're upset that they got it 55 days later. And Schiff says, because he got caught. That's why he gave it to the Ukrainians. Got caught at what? I don't know. But he got caught. But Barack Obama didn't give a single penny in offensive military aid to the Ukrainians when they were being invaded by the Russians, and when Russia was continuing to threaten them and occupying parts of that country. He withheld every penny. He objected to giving them any offensive military support. Nothing. Well, why did he do that? 
it was so critical when Donald Trump became president, after the Russians had invaded Ukraine, why wasn't it critical when Obama was president of the United States when the Russians were invading Ukraine? Is that a fair question, Mr. Producer? What does Joe Biden have to do with this? Joe Biden was the point man for the Obama administration on Ukraine. Since Adam Schiff has opened the door, flung open the door, and raised the issue during the course of his impeachment argument to remove the President of the United States, that a president doesn't withhold military aid from an ally like Ukraine when it needs it against an enemy like Russia, we need to find out why Biden did. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, By the way, a couple things before we... We plow ahead here, and I hope you'll stick with us. And by the way, even many of the uh, news stations now, so-called, are not covering impeachment unless they took a break for dinner or something. I want to thank you, my Levinites. I know, but for this radio show, our, our success on our Sunday Fox show wouldn't be happening. Now, I just want to give you a little inside baseball, then we'll move on. You had a big playoff game that was aired when my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, was aired at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. The 49ers and Green Bay. Now, I understand the 49ers pretty much crushed Green Bay. But we did something that's never done, thanks to you, my loyal Levinites, you in this audience, and many other friends who may not be in this audience. As reported by TV Newser, Sunday, January 19th scoreboard, Mark Levin grabs first place in total primetime viewers. Primetime, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, on cable. I don't know if they mean all of cable, but they certainly mean Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, but perhaps all of cable. We came in number one with all viewers, thanks to you. It was a holiday weekend, Martin Luther King weekend, and we were up against playoff football. Not to mention the usual issues on a holiday weekend when many people have Mondays off. Go out to dinner, go see a movie, whatever it is. And we had a fantastic number. Now, TV Newser does a great job of reporting this. But where have you seen this? Anywhere else, Mr. Producer? You seen it on the Drudge Report? Nowhere. Instead, we see George Conway, who has no ratings anywhere, and whose IQ is in uh, serious question. 
So I want to thank you. It's a big deal. Otherwise, why would I do it if you're not going to watch? We have a tremendous guest this Sunday. I'm going to have an opening monologue, which I never have. For the first big segment on my Sunday show to further address this impeachment trial issue. And we're going to have the great Peter Schweizer on with his new book, Profiles and Corruption. And we're going to go deep in that book. You've heard him on my radio show and other places, but we'll, we'll do it the Levin way on Life, Liberty, and Levin. So I hope you'll watch us Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. If you can't watch us, DVR us, because it's going to be worth watching, I'm sure. And then don't forget our podcast. Our podcast is getting fantastic numbers. There are podcasters who are on radio who have great numbers on their podcasts, okay numbers on radio. We have great numbers everywhere. We really do. And I want you to download it so you have it, whether you use it or not. But you never know. You may not be in an area where you can pick up the show, or you might be preempted for sports, or you never know. We have great affiliates out there, 99% of them. But there's a couple of knuckleheads, like in Chicago. You can go to marklevinshow.com, marklevinshow.com. There's only three clicks. You click on the audio review at the, excuse me, audio rewind, audio rewind, the middle of the top of the homepage. That'll take you to our podcast page, and then it's easy. They're sitting there for you to choose three choices, but there are other choices. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and then you're in. You can listen to the show anytime, anywhere. It's almost like the old Dick Tracy watch. You know that, Mr. Producer? Listen on your, your iPhone, any phone. Laptop. I don't need to name all the technology. It's really quite remarkable. But you can listen yourself. If somebody interferes with the program, you can watch the program. Anyway, back to this. Joe Biden is a material witness, thanks to Adam Schiff. Thanks to Hakeem Jeffries. Thanks to Gerald Nadler. He was anyway, but he certainly is now. If the corrupt prosecutors, these so-called house managers, are going to make the argument that one of the reasons the president should be removed, removed, is because he failed to come to the support of an ally that's occupied and threatened by the Russians. And that's a national security issue. It's a grave concern to the United States. Of course, which is absurd because the president has given them support for three years running. And Obama didn't give them support at all. The fact is, Joe Biden, who wants to be president of the United States, as vice president, had among his official responsibilities the dealings with Ukraine. And in addition to protecting his son. In addition to threatening to withhold a billion dollars in authorized, budgeted funding by Congress, which the GAO says is unlawful, Joe Biden needs to explain that while he was vice president doing Obama's dirty work, Why did he and Obama prevent one penny in offensive military equipment from getting to the Ukraine? Why? And if, in fact, 
a general accounting office report saying that the President of the United States was not free to withhold those funds, even for a minute. If that's so serious, and Mr. Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and others said, he broke the law, he broke the law, then we need to know if he broke the law by bringing in Joe Biden to testify about how he broke the law when he threatened to withhold, threatened to withhold, a billion dollars in authorized budgeted funding for Ukraine. The national security issue. I heard Hakeem Jeffries say it. I heard Adam Schiff say it. I heard Gerald Nadler say it. I heard Chuck Schumer say it. And he's not even one of the corrupt prosecutors. He's just a corrupt hack. So now we need to hear from Joe Biden. We must hear from Joe Biden. Now as for Hunter Biden, If the argument is, as has been made and repeated, if the argument is that when the President of the United States asked the President of Ukraine to take a look at these public reports about Hunter Biden ripping off Burisma, my words, And about Joe Biden threatening Ukraine with withholding money. Threatening Ukraine that they had to fire the prosecutor. Then we need to know if they're going to bring it up. If they're going to say that this is a reason to impeach the president. Then we need to know if the president was right. We need to know transparency and all that. Witnesses. The corrupt prosecutors, a.k.a. the House managers, they don't get to decide this. We all know who gets to decide this. You know who gets to decide this? My wife is here, Julie. You know who gets to decide this? Susan Collins gets to decide everything. Susan Collins is Solomon in drag. King Solomon. She always gets to decide whether the baby's cut in half. She's such a sage. She's such a a wise person, Susan Collins. What? Erudite. Erudite. She's so, I mean, just above politics, even though she spent her entire life in politics. Susan Collins gets to decide. We all know this. The weakest link of the weakest links. Because how would we survive without Susan Collins in the Senate? Can anybody remember a great speech she gave, even with Kavanaugh? She gave her imitation of Catherine Hepburn, and she certainly didn't give a great speech. How about her great principles? And I heard she's a centrist and a moderate, exactly what we need. No, when it comes to fighting for the Constitution, the rule of law, the franchise, we need principled constitutionalists, not finger-in-the-wind so-called moderates. As Maine goes, no, the nation doesn't go. That needs to be changed. As Texas goes, the nation should go. Now, Hunter Biden. We've been told by the media, Hunter Biden, this stuff's already, you know, we already know there's nothing there. Really? There's nothing like a civil lawsuit to get to the bottom of things. 
You know why? Because you get discovery. There's this group CARE that is a Jew-hating organization, an Israel-hating organization, a front for Hamas, unindicted co-conspirators, and you bastards, you come from me, you don't know what you're in for, as I've told you over all the years. Because I'll sue you for tortious interference with my career and my business, and I won't settle. I will conduct extensive discovery. You see, that's the problem Hunter Biden has. Hunter Biden's expecting his fifth child, did you know this? That we know of. But he had a child with a stripper. At first he denied being the father. This poor child, you really have to feel sorry for this child. Then the DNA test was done, and guess what? It was in Arkansas. Some of you thought it was Bill Clinton. No, it was Hunter Biden. He's the father. Now there's a fight over whether Hunter Biden, to the extent to which Hunter Biden is going to pay for the care of his child. You see, these liberals, they're very good at passing legislation, making speeches, but when it really comes down in your personal life to conducting yourself properly, it's tough, it's hard. Like Ted Kennedy stood for women's rights. Except for Mary Jo Kopechny's, of course. But here we are, Hunter Biden. Why is he relevant? Well, look at this. Page six of the New York Post. This wasn't on CNN. George Conway was. And by the way, George, no offense. Boy, you've really ballooned up, buddy. I'm just saying. If you're going to go on TV for the purpose of humiliating your wife, and by the way, you're not. She's a grand lady. You humiliate yourself. You shouldn't look like a slob. Just one man's advice. Anyway, Hunter Biden, page six of the New York Post. Hunter Biden must appear in court, this is in Arkansas, after missing deadline in child support case. See, Hunter Biden's above the law, just like his daddy. You can't investigate Joe Biden in the course of an election. That'll interfere in an election. But you can investigate the hell out of the Republican nominee, Donald Trump. Prosecutors, state prosecutors. FBI agents, congressional investigations, impeachment, Senate, try interfere all your... But Joe Biden? No. And what you'll find out Sunday when I interview Peter Schweizer, that's a crime family. Maybe not a crime family. Check that. A truly corrupt family. You know, the Trumps made money the old-fashioned way. They built stuff. Biden makes money, not the old-fashioned way, the sleazy way, by people using his name. By the way, where I come from, you use his name, it gets you nowhere, but apparently in some circles. Actually, I have to take a break now. I want to tell you about Hunter Biden, who is fighting child support and fighting the release of his financial records. He won't release his financial records, even though the court says it'll keep it under seal. My goodness. I don't know. My wife is federated. 83K a month. All right. We'll be right back. in. So quickly, 
A uh, judge in Arkansas, Hunter Biden allegedly blew a deadline and caught the judge's attention to hand over financial materials in his child support case. And now he has to show up in the court in Arkansas next week and explain why he shouldn't be held in contempt. A judge ruled yesterday. Did you see this on CNN? No, I don't think you did. And uh, he missed the January 16 deadline to provide discovery, including financial disclosures, in the case brought by a former stripper with whom he has a 17-month-old child. Lawrence for 28-year-old London Alexis Roberts, who, as the Post exclusively revealed in November, was a stripper in Washington, D.C. club Biden once frequented, said he failed to submit a slew of discovery materials, including his phone number, address, and the address of his 32-year-old wife, Melissa Cohen Biden, with whom he is expecting his fifth child. In other words, Biden's on the run. He's hiding out. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm sure his father and the father's campaign said, hey, look, witness protection program, get the hell out of here. He also allegedly didn't hand in a copy of his 2017 and 2018 tax returns, a list of the companies he owns, a list of all his sources of income and other financial documents. Wow. How about that? Well, maybe the Republicans will do what the Democrats did, including the late, great Elijah Cummings, among others, and subpoena Biden's son for his financial records. Or maybe, as Don Jr. told us on Life, Liberty, and Levin, maybe they'll, they'll have a 30-hour deposition of Hunter Biden to find out what's going on. No, 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 that's not relevant. That's not material. Of course it is. We need to know. If the son of the then vice president who wants to be president of the United States was using his father's name and therefore exposing the government and the office of the vice president to blackmail, among other things. Truthfully, we need to know. See, Adam Schiff, a corrupt so-called prosecutor, he only wants to call the witnesses he wants. I've said no witnesses. But Ted Cruz is right. Reciprocity is reciprocity. Rand Paul's right. Reciprocity is reciprocity. But the media are already telling us that Hunter Biden is not material. I'm telling you that Joe Biden is material now, given what the corrupt House management prosecutors have said for the last 24 hours, 48 hours. He's absolutely relevant. If you can impeach a president, and part of your argument is that the president withheld aid for 55 days, and we need to we need to hear from Joe Biden, the point man for Obama, where they withheld aid for three years. We need to see if a senator do it. We need to see if there's a quid pro quo or a quo pro quid. We need to know. Otherwise, it's a cover-up, as the left likes to say. When we come back, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa, and the magnificent things he and his group are doing to protect and help protect the Jewish community in New York. We'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. It's pretty funny, uh... Some of the TV uh, networks that we like, 
uh, are not covering Adam Schiff live right now, but you can go to their website if you want to listen live. You have to be an insane asylum to want to do that. There are a lot of great conservative organizations out there doing some incredible work, but I want to take a minute and talk to you about the Media Research Center, or MRC, as I like to call them America's media watchdog. When you think of the MRC, you should think of one thing, truth. Because for over 30 years, their guiding principle has been that the American people deserve to be told the truth. Unfortunately, most of the people in the media care more about their left-wing agenda than the truth. Just look at how they're covering this impeachment trial. Look how the other week they covered the president taking out the biggest terrorist in the world, uh, the Islamo-Nazi from Iran. It's pathetic, really. And that's why the MRC is so important. No matter where you get your news from, if you're looking for the truth, you should pay attention to the work of the MRC. And you can start by going to this special site, mrclevin.org. M-R-C-L-E-V-I-N.org. Go ahead and bookmark that and check it out every morning, every evening, and in between when you're looking for real information and news. Now, I've worked with Brent Bozell, a hero, and his team at the MRC for many years. And I'm proud of what they do, and I respect their work. And I rely on them, Newsbusters, CNS News, MRC TV, all of them. So if you care about this country, and you do, and you care about the truth, and you do, you should get to know the MRC. So please, bookmark this. Check it out. Go to mrclevin.org to learn more. That's mrclevin.org. Curtis Slee was a friend of mine. I've known him a very long time. He's an iconic figure in New York City, really. And he founded the Guardian Angels. And when he founded the Guardian Angels, he came under a lot of attack. Ooh, he must be creating a militia. No, he's not creating a militia. This is a community service, a public service. And he's doing it again today, a public service. Curtis Sliwa, my colleague, WABC in New York. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm just fired up. I'm telling you, Mark, you know, I have some anger management issues that I take out on thugs. I introduce them to pain compliance when they violate the rights of people. But recently, this upsurge in anti-Semitic attacks against the Jewish residents of our tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, and upstate New York, has caused me to absolutely uh, bust some capillaries because it's the third time I've seen this. Three generations since I started back in 1979, I was in the middle of the Crown Heights riots in which young blacks were attacking the Lubavitcher community, the ultra-Orthodox. And for three days, this city, under David Dinkins, its mayor, chose to do nothing. They told the cops to stand back. And the Lubavitch, they asked the guardian angels to come in, and we were there for three straight months, round the clock, to protect them. I thought, okay, everybody learned their lesson. We were not allowed this. In this era, as we entered a new century to happen again, I couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. Back on December 10th, you may have remembered, Mark, two of these black Hebrew Israelites in a stolen truck pull out rifles, go charging into a kosher supermarket in the heart of Jersey City on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Jews were starting to move in, and they started shooting. Their aim to kill Jews. They had trained in Ohio for months to try to kill as many Jews as possible. They had a bomb in the truck. They didn't detonate it or it would have leveled five square blocks. And still, there was no outrage from our elected officials. 
And then there were a series of attacks in Brooklyn, where I was born and raised against the ultra-Orthodox there. Young black youth would come up and they would sucker punch Jews and knock them down and rob them and stomp them and beat them. And we saw the videos, we saw the photographs, and the politicians, they were impotent. And I kept saying, look, look, this, this is not like the anti-Semitism we saw in San Diego or Pittsburgh or Charlotte. No, 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 no. These are black anti-Semites, and none of our elected officials, black or white, would address it, rabbis or reverends. And then that's when I just basically said, guardian angels, we have to do what we've always done, come to the aid of people who are in distress. The Jewish people need us. We need to go into their neighborhoods again. And this time, Mark, we didn't just go in there to thump the anti-Semites because, you know, we're not just eyes in here. See something, say something. <laughs> we give you a therapeutic back massage and you're going to suck concrete. And we tell you, you come in to this neighborhood, this Jewish neighborhood again, you're going to have double trouble leaving it. And that is the language that the thugs and the anti-Semites understand, pain compliance. And then ever since we did that, following the attack in Muncie on a Hanukkah night in which dinner was being served by a rabbi and a crazed maniac black guy comes in with a machete and tries to kill as many Jews as he could in Rockland County, we jumped into action. And to the credit of the guardian angels and the Jewish community working in solidarity with us, Mark, there hasn't been a single attack since because we're not just protecting Jews. We're teaching them the man and woman up and patrol their own neighborhoods. And most importantly, Mark, to show chutzpah and fight back. This is a remarkable thing you're doing. Have you come under attack because you are defending Jews against this violent movement in these uh, African-American communities and so forth? Oh, absolutely. It's sort of like, what's wrong with you, Curtis? Most of you members, they're not Jews. You've seen it, Mark. We're predominantly black and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. So they try to play well, the race card. Let's stop right there. I want you to explain it to the nation. Most guardian angels are black and Hispanic. That's right. They come from urban areas. We're now in 13 countries, 130 cities around the world. Most are black and brown. Some are white. Some are Asian. Some are Jewish, but most are Gentiles. And I said, this has nothing to do with color. This has to do with the historical anti-Semitism that rears its ugly head. I said, it's the 75th anniversary of the Holocaust, and your children and children's children don't know how significant that was in history. It's repeating itself, and you just want to stand idly by and accuse us, the good Samaritans, coming to the aid of the Jews, trying to build self-defense within their community. You're attacking us when, in fact, you should be disciplining your own children and those of you who think the Jews are responsible for everything. For instance, Mark Levin, the number one rapper in the world, Jay-Z, a billionaire now, had a line in which he rapped, and a lot of people, you know, they repeat the raps over and over, why is it that Jewish people own all the property in the world? What the hell is he talking about? And then you mix it with an iconic figure, screwy Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam, who calls Jews termites, a gutter religion, and blames Jews for everything that has gone wrong in history, and you say to yourself, now I sort of get a sense. There is nobody correcting that ill will being aimed at Jews. So if Jews don't stand and fight for what they know is right, you can't depend on the Gentiles to do it, Mark. You got to be like the Jews in Israel. Tough, tough. Defend yourself. Don't allow yourself to be turned into victims in speed bumps. What about the mayor 
Mayor uh, DeCamio. Oh, Comrade Bill de Blasio. I call him the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. He went to a meeting of all the big machas in the Jewish community. Of course, Mark, they didn't want to hear from me. They wanted the mayor, right? So they roll out the red carpet, and he gets up into the bully pulpit. He's talking about neo-Nazis, Confederates. He's talking about, they're coming up from Charlottesville. That's right. They're being influenced by neo-Nazi groups. And they're looking at one another, the big machas in the Jewish community, and say, this guy's mashuk. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. And that's when they started ringing my phone off the hook right before Shabbos, right before the Sabbath, and say, Curtis, you came to our aid in Crown Heights when the blacks were attacking us at will. You defended us then. We need you to defend us again. And immediately I mobilized all the guardian angels, and I said, there aren't two. You know, in some instances you say, oh, there are two points of view. I said, there aren't two points of view here, Mark. It's one point of view. The Jews are being victimized. And the anti-Semites in this particular instance happen to be young black youth, and they need to be stopped in their tracks. Now, why is what you are saying going to be considered controversial when it is provable? It's factual. And why is it that more and more so-called leaders in New York City aren't standing up? Is it because of the race element, do you think? Absolutely. Look... The leader of the pack is Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. He, <laughs> he lectures us. You know, he's professorial. He talks to us. There's a tidal wave. And you know, code language is they're blaming Donald Trump for all this. They're blaming our president for all of this. He has absolutely nothing to do with this, but they can't get it out of their throat to say it's a result of black anti-Semitism. And a need to educate our young people in the community that Jews are not our enemies. They aren't taking our property. They're not stealing for us. In fact, they're elevating us. Look at their many hospitals, the philanthropic endeavors. Look at the names on the side of major educational institutions. Many of them happen to be Jewish names. They're there to help not just their own people. They're there to help all people. And no one in the black community is saying that. They need to say that from the bully pooping in the churches on Sunday. They need to say that as elected officials, both white and black. But they're weak. They fold like cheap cameras. And they're afraid to alienate a constituency. Now, let's face it. We'll paint them as racist. And God forbid they be called a racist. They, they shrink. And they can't get up. They're falling from that. They need to stand up. Do they not have any onions as men? The reality is, Mark, you know they don't. All right, Curtis. Well, you guys are keeping the peace, and that's uh, much appreciated by the community and the nation. And I want to thank you for taking time off your busy WABC schedule. Tell the nation when you're Tell the nation about your program quickly. All you have to do is go to guardianangels.org to get more information. And most importantly, Mark, I'm going out tonight into Crown Heights where the riots took place. I'm going to thump a few of the anti-Semitic thugs in your honor. I'm going to say, here's a message from Mark Levin. I'm going to hit you so hard, your mother's going to feel the vibrations. All right, you take care of yourself. All right, thank you, Curtis Sliwa. Very nice guy, by the way. And you know what's amazing? Very quiet when you see him. Isn't he rich? But uh, he really, I used to say that Curtis, no, I won't say what I say. I'll tell Curtis directly. I won't say it on the air. But I'm a big fan of Curtis Sliwa. Great radio host, patriot. And I'll be right back. 
I'm going to show you how utterly stupid Joe Scarborough is. In addition to uh, looking like the the banjo player kid, the movie Deliverance on the Bridge. I think he does look like that guy. In fact, they, he may be that guy. You know, you'd pay off your IRS debt if you could, but you can't, right? You don't have the money. And now you're asking this important question. Is this the day the IRS shows up at my work, garnishes my wages, and seizes my bank accounts, maybe even my home? Let me suggest a way to end your IRS nightmare called Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution firm. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, a powerful IRS program that could save you thousands if you qualify. In fact, Optima has resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for people just like you. Get the peace of mind that comes when you have Optima on your side, standing between you and the IRS, fighting to help stop aggressive collection actions and helping to protect your assets. But don't wait. Put your IRS worries to West. That was my Barbara Walters there. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply for complete details. Please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Scarborough on the morning schmo yesterday. Cut 18, go. Well, it's wow. here. We, of course, this past year, the second hottest year uh, recorded in the history of this planet. We keep breaking records over this past decade. You'd have to be a fool not to understand. Now, by the way, he flies constantly. So does his wife. They have a big home, more than one. Not doing a damn thing about climate change. But this guy now has gone down all the points of the hard left. Because he found out this is how he makes his money. Go ahead. Climate change is moving quickly and something has to be done uh, to respond as quickly as possible to it. That's something that Donald Trump doesn't understand. Finally, uh, let's talk about uh, this continent. Uh, I was reading yesterday about economic woes. Once again, I've been following it for a while, but economic woes once again hitting Argentina. Donald Trump doesn't understand, ladies and gentlemen. But let's talk about this continent in Argentina. Mr. Bidu says, Argentina in North America? Is it on this continent? I don't believe so. Is Argentina on our continent, ladies and gentlemen? Did it move? I didn't know climate change had that effect. This guy's an idiot. It's a pompous ass. Thinks he's smart. He's dumb. He comes off dumb. Everybody knows he's dumb. But there he is. You know, when I hear some of these comments by these crooked prosecutors, a.k.a. house managers, many of whom hate this country, many of whom hate capitalism, many of whom support open borders, trash our cops, trash our military, and they talk about our president in terms of a national security threat. It's an abomination. It's unconscionable. I feel like I know Donald Trump quite well now. It's an honor. And his wonderful family. The man is a patriot. The man loves this country. 
You can't say the same about Adam Schiff and Gerald Nadler and Hakeem Jeffries. He would never, ever place this country at a national security risk. And the sickening irony of what goes on here, how they try to create a narrative about the president that applies to them. He gives Ukraine offensive military weaponry to deal with Russia. The Democrats withhold it. He puts the toughest sanctions in modern history on Russia. Obama buckled to Russia. And yet he's the sellout to Russia. And I can go on and on and on. Can't have a king unless it's King Obama or King Clinton. Then you can have a king. You can have DACA. Laws made right in the Oval Office. The president hasn't done that. It's a damn shame. And day after day, even mostly conservative media or quasi-conservative media spends its time reporting on the left's narrative. For several years on the phony Russia collusion, the phony congressional investigation, the phony special counsel investigation, while it is they who had spies in the the, uh, Trump campaign, while it is they who used a FISA court to get a a phony warrant, while it is they that leaked to the media and committed multiple felonies, while it is they who unmasked American citizens and leaked their names, including General Flynn, to the media. Trump hasn't done any of this. I just described to you the Obama administration. The president doesn't go around the world apologizing for America or Americans, like Democrats do, like Obama did. He defends us. He's proud to be an American. He actually upholds the Constitution. He hasn't violated the Constitution. He hasn't violated any federal statute. And he hasn't violated any court order. But the GAO said, who cares what the GAO said? They don't adjudicate final decisions. He's followed the rules and he's won. And they're breaking the rules and breaking our country. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters and emergency personnel. All you folks out there who protect us, I want to thank you. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. Be safe. God bless you.